The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Next, Megan Alexander successfully built a career in the television industry without compromising her faith. Now, she challenges others to do the same. I believe that, you know, Christians just need to boldly take that seat at the table and then offer up another idea, another option. Having been in this industry now for 15 years, I, I believe personally there is not a master plan to keep faith out of the media. Mm. I believe at the end of the day, there are just not enough believers that have taken their seat at the table. Sheila Walsh joined by Randy Robinson and we are very happy that you stopped by and going to spend a little time with us. I'm very excited about our guest. You know, it's, it's fascinating when you watch someone on television and you think, oh, they seem like a really amazing person. And then you get to know a little bit of their story. So I think you're going to enjoy this so much. Please help me welcome Megan Alexander. Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> so good to have you. Now, Thank you for having me. For people that are going... She looks familiar. Did I go to high school with her? Did I go yeah. high school? Do you get that? <laughs> That's funny. But just give us a little bit of a resume of, of what you've done in your life, just to give you a little context to what we're going to talk about today. Sure. Born and raised in Seattle, Washington. Go Seahawks. <laughs> <laughs> and um, by the grace of God, born into a Christian home. And I attended Christian school my whole life, K through 12, went to a Christian college, and have been in the television industry and in the entertainment industry for almost 15 years now, and have been with the show Inside Edition for 10, just celebrated 10 years with uh, our show. Congratulations. Thank you. That, That's you know, awesome. It, it, hanging in there with TV as our industry is changing yeah, so much. Absolutely. But, that says a lot. You all have such incredible longevity, too. And and yeah, I got to cover um, CBS Thursday Night Football for two seasons yeah. and then just do a lot of different side projects. But, you know, the main thing is I, I really believe in encouraging this next generation. And so a couple of years ago, I decided to also add author to the resume, which is why I get to be here with you all. I love this because it's faith in the spotlight, thriving in your career while staying true to your beliefs. That, I mean, that speaks volumes just right there. And it, it made me wonder, Megan, are there times when you have found that your faith has clashed with your job? Well, I think it's an ongoing journey. Mm. Um, and for me, you know, I didn't necessarily get encouragement to go into this industry. Being raised in a Christian home, um, a kind of a pivotal moment for me was my junior year of high school. We were all getting ready for prom, and I was standing next to my friend Nathan, whose father is a pastor, the Reverend Shields. And we were all getting ready and, and sort of talking about what we wanted to be when we grew up and where we wanted to go to college. And it was when it was my turn to share, I remember sort of apologizing and going, to Nathan's father, I think I want to be a news anchor or work in entertainment. I know it's not a pastor. I know it's not a doctor. <laughs> I think I want to work in the entertainment industry. Wow. And the Reverend Shields said to me, Megan, every person is a minister. Every industry is a ministry. Mm. That was a huge moment that. for me. That's I, huge. I hadn't necessarily gotten a ton of encouragement in the Christian community, but to get that from a pastor, the world just opened up. And it's if God plants a dream in your heart, 
anywhere can be a mission field. And so that's how I've tried to approach my job. Yeah. Didn't necessarily talk about my faith a whole lot in the beginning. I wanted to be known for good work, get that seat at the table in the first place, do excellent work, because at the end of the day, I know my boss hired me because I'm a good news reporter. <laughs> but then look for those small opportunities to share my faith and develop those relationships. It was interesting looking on your childhood, because you talk about having this dream journal as a teenager. Yeah. And so often it would be things like, you know, I hope I meet Prince Charming right. or, you know, but yours, you've been very focused, very intentional since you were a little girl. Yeah. Um, I think that how I kind of kept on the straight and narrow was instead of chasing boys, I was chasing my career all through high school, all through college. I didn't date a whole lot. I really went after the career um, and just had a lot of goals and dreams. And that was my journal. And that was my conversation with the Lord and still is, is I'd like to do this. What do you think about this? That's just sort of my makeup in who I am. And, um, and I, I love right now that the conversation is so in encouraging for young working women of faith, because I think that is something that is improved that we haven't always had in the church. Yeah. And I know for me, I had to really seek and find those mentors and those role models just because some of it is generational. Sure. And, uh, and I'm excited for the time now. Sitting here between two very successful women in the workplace, I want to know what you would say to that young girl who's watching right now, who's going... I think that's me, Yeah. but needs that affirmation. What, what do you tell them? Yeah, well, honestly, um, Sheila and Randy, the book came about because I got an email from a pastor in Seattle that wrote to me many years ago and said, Megan, I have a church full of young women of faith, big career goals and dreams. They wanna go after it in life, but they're terrified they're gonna need to compromise their faith to get ahead. They're not sure how all this works. And he said, would you come speak to my church? I, I want them to get some encouragement. I haven't heard of a lot of people that I can offer up to them. And I feel like in so many ways that was me yesterday, mm -hmm. that girl sitting in church wondering how it was all going to play out. And so I headed to the bookstore to get some resources for this pastor, and I found a lot of great books for Christian men, incredible <laughs> ones that I have read for Christian businessmen, and a lot of great secular books for women, whether it's Lean In, Sheryl Sandberg, mm -hmm. Knowing Your Valley, sure. Mika Brzezinski, but for the working woman of faith, the ambitious young woman of faith, I couldn't find a lot. Mm -hmm. And so it was my Isaiah 6-8 moment, here I am, Lord, send me. Me? You want me to write this book, Lord? Okay. And I put pen to paper and it came out. And so to answer your question, I, I want to offer them practical stories and examples of what it's like on the job and how to take that sermon that you hear Sunday morning and apply it to the nine to five Monday through Friday. I'm still figuring that out myself. But what do you do when you're on a movie set and a director wants you to push something in a scene a little more than you're comfortable with? Mm -hmm. You know, what do you do when your boss asks you to cover this story and you're not sure about it? That's what I try to talk about in the book. All kinds of stuff like body image as a female, negotiating a contract, finding mentors, even dating and marriage yeah. in this world. And, and you're kind of brave in that. One of the chapters in the book you talk about, which is kind of countercultural, yeah. that you talk about the fact that you and your then fiance, now husband, determined that you would stay pure until you were married. Why yeah. did you choose to include that? Yeah, and if you want to clear or silence a New York City newsroom, <laughs> talk about abstinence. <laughs> I mean, I got so many people that just didn't even know what to do with that because yeah. nobody talks about it anymore. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's why I included it, Sheila, I honestly, is I didn't think when we made this decision, um, gosh, when we were in our 20s, I didn't think I would talk about it publicly. It's just, it was our decision. I was proud of it, but then here we go with life. But it, I, I realized I wanted to include it in the book because I know for me, there was a moment in high school where a young 
couple that had graduated from a high school came back and talked to us about abstinence and they were willing to go there and say, ask me, ask us anything. We'll talk about it all. They were willing to get uncomfortable. Yeah. And when I got asked to write about our abstinence story, I called up my husband, and because he's the other half of this, right? <laughs> if I'm gonna share my story, he's going to too. And I said, babe, what, what do you think about us talking about abstinence? And he said, Meg, if it encourages one person, it's worth it. One person. Yeah. And I just want young people to know it's still an option. It worked for me, it can work for them, and God can really bless you through it. So that's why I included it. It's great. And you're right, nobody really talks about it anymore. Well, yeah. and if I remember correctly, the, the story in the book, you talk about uh, someone who was a friend of yours who was looking for someone to represent that viewpoint and couldn't find anyone. Exactly, yes. My pastor in New York City called me one day and said, I know of a women's magazine that wants to do an, a whole issue on um, dating, marriage, and abstinence and put someone on the cover in the entertainment industry who believes in abstinence and they couldn't find couldn't anybody. Find <laughs> wow. And, and she said, but we heard of you. Would you be willing to go there and share? And, it, and again, it was, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you in this one. And if it encourages one person, it's worth it. Mm -hmm. I love, to me, what I got from your book and from your life is really living out what it means to be as wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Because you've had some tough decisions to make. I'm thinking particularly of the story of the dress. Yeah. Tell yeah. us about that, because that was... But you used some real godly wisdom there. Oh, thank you. Well, again, the, I didn't know what I was getting into necessarily when I got into this industry. And I, you know, I want to share with you, I, I really thought, oh, it would just be fun to be on TV one day. I didn't think, oh, I'll have this incredible, you know, platform or opportunity because um, I was just a 22-year-old, you know, that was excited to get into the industry. But the situations that I found myself in, we didn't necessarily talk about in high school and college. And one of them that you mentioned is this story of the dress. Inside Edition tends to cover the award shows who won what and who wore what. Yes. It's your favorite segment, the fashion segment. Yeah, I, I love it. I never miss it. <laughs> and um, as one of the female reporters, oftentimes we do a story where we talk about a certain celebrity wore this dress. It cost tons of money, but you can get it for $25, and here's what it looks like. <laughs> Megan's going to model it for us now. You know, a replica of these expensive dresses. And a certain celebrity several years ago had walked the red carpet, leaving nothing to the imagination. It was a white dress, plunging neckline, good for her. I wouldn't be caught dead wearing that dress. And I walked into the office the next morning after that award show and saw a white dress hanging in the <laughs> office, and I knew it was coming. And the stylist on our show said, Megan, there you go. That's your dress. Put it on. We're going to do that story today. National television, I needed to wear this dress, and my heart sank. And I thought, I just, I don't want to. My parents watched the show. My grandfather was still alive at the time. He watches the show. And then who am I as a woman and how I value myself and how I present myself to the world? Again, other people can make other decisions, but sure. for me, I didn't feel comfortable. So I pushed back and the stylist pushed back on me and said, no, you need to wear this. We got to make deadline. I had no time, Sheila, to call a friend. I had no time to sleep on it and get an answer the next day. I needed to make a decision within a couple of minutes. And so that's what I tell the young people is think about what are your black and whites and then how can you work the problem? And so I said, hang on, just give me a couple minutes to the, sty to the stylist. Ran to the closet, looked at the other dresses we were gonna also be talking about, and I grabbed a black one and I said, can I wear this one instead? I know I can pull this off. Another celebrity had worn this dress. And I think she was just exasperated with me and said, fine, go figure it out. I did, threw my hair and makeup together myself in this dingy little bathroom, not glamorous <laughs> at all, but that's real life, and came out and said, what do you think? Can I do this one please instead? Yeah. And she said, okay. 
That's working the problem, finding ways to still live out your faith yes. and yet deliver for your team. I, I love the way that, that you illustrate this point that we don't always have to just stand against something as right. Christians in a secular world, but we can actually come up with better solutions, yes. better ideas. We don't just have to belittle someone or try to correct them or, or you know, tell them their, their faults. Right. We can just show them something better. Exactly. Offer options. Offer another perspective. There have been countless times when I have been in the room and have raised my hand and offered up an idea. And just because I come from a background of faith, other people don't necessarily, they're not aware of that. They haven't grown up in the church, but I call it having a seat at the table. I believe that, you know, Christians just need to boldly take that seat at the table and then offer up another idea, another option, uh, another alternative. Brilliant. I love that, that, yeah. that whole concept of having a seat at the table. Because so often we can get very narrow-minded and think, well, I'm supposed to be at that table and that table, but I'm certainly not supposed to be over there. Right. But if God is God, he can keep us wherever we are. Yes. One of the things I love about your book, I've never seen anyone do this, but every single chapter begins with an introduction from someone, I'm assuming just let me mentors or people you admire or yes, love. All of the above. How did you make that decision? It's very unique. Yeah. Well, when I wanted to put this book together, um, I had a certain literary agent say to me, you know, you're pretty young. You don't really have a ton of life experience under your belt. But that was part of the reason I wanted to write it was still be able to connect to young people and the next generation and stay and say to them, I'm still figuring it out too. Let's figure out this journey together. But I knew I needed to go after my role models and mentors and glean their wisdom. Yeah. So I asked people like Roma Downey and Mark Burnett, who I greatly admire, they're yeah. distant mentors to write a foreword. Devon Franklin, mm. who's an incredible- I love um, him, he's a yeah. great yeah. pastor. Yeah, yeah. Some personal friends of mine, I have a Bible study in New York with a couple of girls that offered up their thoughts. Um, Kirsten Hagland, who's a former Miss America, wrote the body image chapter and a strong believer. People that I admire um, that are that are out in the world in all these different industries, all different areas of influence mm -hmm. and being salt and light. And I said, I need you to go real practical. Share with mm -hmm. me really, what are your thoughts for how people can do this? And most importantly, offer encouragement. Mm -hmm. I think my favorite one of all though was written by your mom and dad. I Thank love you. that, it was so touching. Because <laughs> they talked to you about the whole principle of, of fighting the good fight, that it's, it's not a sprint, it's, it's a marathon. It's a, yes. you know, and to keep going. How, what kind of influence have your mom and dad been in your life? Yeah, it was pretty fun for me too to have my parents write that because I think in the back of their mind, I had parents that said, we believe in you, you can be anything you wanna be. But my father worked in finance for 40 years. My mom was a stay-at-home mom with my sister and I and also worked in education. So they said, we have no idea how the entertainment industry works. Good luck, we can't help you, but we're cheering you on. We love you. And I wonder too, in the, in the back of their minds, if they really thought she'll eventually grow out of yeah, this yeah. and she'll settle well, for let a her more- try, she'll come home. Yeah, yeah, a more sensible career. And so for my dad to write that, he's seen the marathon that it is, and he knows how important it is to me to try to be that light in this world. And he's been on that journey with me. So my parents writing that, I think most importantly, it was them saying, if God has planted a dream in your heart, go for it. Don't give up and stick with the Lord on what you're supposed to do in this world. It, it, it's interesting that you, you talk about that because I think a lot of Christians would think if, if, I know if my child was saying, I want to go into Hollywood or go into some area that you think of as yeah. really secular, there's a little bit, I think, of an idea in the church that there's a hostility out there. They don't want you. It's going to be vicious. Sure. But you've seen something kind of different. 
Yes, and I totally understand those thoughts. I know my parents were very uncertain yeah. and nervous about yeah. it. Um, you know, I think it is being realistic and trying to talk about all the scenarios beforehand. Mm -hmm. In college and in high school, I didn't necessarily talk to a lot of my professors about some of these practical scenarios. And so I encourage parents, sit down with your children your young people, if they want to get into this industry, then really talk to them about, okay, what are your black and whites? What will you not compromise on? What's important to you? Let's go find people that work in that industry that you can talk to. Mm -hmm. I let high school and college students shadow me on the job because oh, they need to get cool. that real world experience of what it's like. You need to sit in a crazy New York City newsroom when oh, yeah. things are just a hurricane and, and experience that. So I think for the parents, it's I mean, I think of the phrase that I heard growing up, which is don't prepare the road for your children. Prepare your children for the road. That's great. Wow. Try to run That's those so scenarios good. with them beforehand yeah. Yeah. and then stick with them. I check in with my parents all the time. Stay close to them. Stick with them. But they're not necessarily hostile towards Christianity. They're just no. ignorant of it in a lot of ways. I really do believe that. Having been in this industry now for 15 years, I, I believe personally there is not a master plan to keep faith out of the media. Mm. I believe at the end of the day, there are just not enough believers that have taken their seat at the table. I have seen it. There have been countless times. An example quickly is when the Bible was on the History Channel. Roma Downey and Mark Burnett yeah. brought the Bible. Awesome. Oh, wasn't it? Awesome. <laughs> Had a party in New York City every Sunday night and we all watched that together. But a classic example of that is when that movie scored amazing ratings on Sunday night. The next morning, my boss was looking at the, the ratings and said, the Bible, who watched this show? And I'm like, I did. <laughs> and it became this fun sort of running joke. Every week on Monday morning, my boss would say, okay, who watched this? Who watched Sunday Night Football? The Bible. Somebody get Megan. Where's Megan? <laughs> okay, what was on this past Sunday? And I'm in this crazy New York City newsroom Telling them, about, telling them about Daniel in the lion's den oh, and these great. lions are circling around him. I literally had a producer say to me, that's in the Bible? Oh, and I wow. said, yeah, you should pick it yeah. up sometime. Yeah. It's a pretty amazing book. That's so we great. take for granted, <laughs> we take for granted that people know the Bible stories that we learned in Sunday school. Yeah, and, and I think sometimes anymore. we anticipate that they're going to be antagonistic. Right. That's why I love what you did about the dress. You didn't say, I'm a Christian, I'm not wearing that. You right. came up with an alternative sure. way to go. And I think mm -hmm. that earns respect with, from people because yeah. you respect them as well and what they have to do. And everyone has been honestly very supportive of this book. A lot of people asked me, when you did decide to share your faith, did you feel some hostility? I really didn't. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if it's because I tried to just do good work first. Yeah. And they knew at the end of the day, Ah, well, that's just Megan. She'll she'll meet deadline with us. Mm. She'll still deliver on the job. And my boss is a father. He has a daughter. And his response was, I'm all about encouraging young women mm. to be their best self and stay true to their values. So when you can touch on things like a, being a father, mm -hmm. a friend, I think that's when we can sort of break through some of those barriers. Hey, what I'm kind of hearing is, is that the secret to success and being a light in, in the world is relationship. Yes, absolutely build those relationships, get to know people, then they get to know you yeah. and they know what I'm all about and my family and the people that I work with. I mean, this news business, it's 24 seven. We're working long hours, long days. You all know that. I'm with some of these people through marriages, babies, divorces, mm -hmm. hard times, tragedies. And that's when you build those relationships and you get opportunities mm -hmm. to give some comfort and maybe share your faith in those moments when it's, it's real and it's raw and you've de developed a relationship. This book is amazing. It's called 
called Faith in the Spotlight. You're going to love it. You're going to want to get it for, for your kids. Um, I have several friends I want to give it to. And it'll put a smile on your face. And that's one of the things we're really committed to here at Life. We have an amazing opportunity to present to you now about how you can actually physically put a smile on the face of some children. Watch this. In the rural highlands of Southeast Asia, Life's mission partner, Tony Brewer, has worked to provide life-changing care for special needs children throughout the region, including those affected by cleft lip and cleft palate. With few wage-paying jobs available, parents can seldom afford medical care for these children or the cost of travel to a health facility. Many children that are born with cleft lip and cleft palate simply did not get corrective surgery and do not unless we go the extra mile to go get them. Recently, Tony was joined by Life's Missions Director, Ralph Doan, to meet a young boy named Dwee, whose parents have been longing for the day when their son would have a normal smile. Little Dwee here is only four months old, but he is one of our latest recipients of Christmas smiles. His sweet family, his mother and father and him, they have traveled over 250 miles just to get to this point. And we're here today because today is his big day. He is gonna get his surgery done. This child would probably not have gotten the cleft lip repair that he's getting today except for Life Outreach International, a changed life. I cannot explain fully in words the stories that I hear all around the world of the need for children, boys and girls, just like little Dewey, who need this surgery. So I'm gonna ask you to give a generous gift to help little boys and girls just like Dewey. And you're given a gift that doesn't just last through the season, but it lasts a lifetime. Wow, that's powerful, Randy. Yeah, what, a, what a huge opportunity. I mean, we can, not just put a smile on a child's face, but give them the ability to smile. Can you believe that? You know, and having been in some of those countries and watched some of those procedures, and that darling little one you saw there at the end with the little Band-Aid over his lip, um, we've had some updates and that's now off and still a little swollen. But mm -hmm. see, here's the thing, in so many of these countries, when a child is born like that, there's a kind of belief that somehow that child is cursed, that that child has no future. and. If, if it was your son or your daughter, if it was my son, I would do everything. I would scrub toilets to get my son fixed. But so many of these people in those countries are desperately poor. They just can't. And so they're, they're crying out to God, you know, what can we do? So this is not something we have to do. This is this glorious privilege this Christmas that instead of buying some more ugly sweaters, we actually get to make a difference in the lives of people. Do you know that for $500, and I know that's a lot for some people, but if you could do that, do you know that $500 will repair one child so that they're able to have this beautiful smile for the rest of, of their life? That's what my husband and I are going to give to each other this Christmas, because it's like, that's, I mean, what a gift. That's what, that's what the coming of Christ is all about. It's not about us. It's what we can do to make a difference in the life of other people, too. Oh, that's, that's very cool, Sheila. I thank you for that and, and everyone that comes together. The other part of this are the shoes, and I like the shoes because these shoes are not only fun for the children because a lot of these children have never, ever owned a pair of shoes, but they also, they're, they're a health issue. 
you know, there's a lot of diseases uh, you can get from running around barefoot and cutting your foot and get things that I won't go into because they're not pleasant. But we can avoid all of that. You can give a child a pair of shoes for $3.60. That means $36 will provide 10 pairs of shoes. $180 will provide 50 pairs of shoes. I mean, I've, I've spent, I'm sorry to say, but I've spent more than that on less than this. You but don't know you what think I mean? it'd be great, Randy, this Christmas for your whole family to take it on as a project? Oh, yeah. To, to teach our little ones that this life is not about mm. getting more, it's mm. about becoming more. Mm. So to be able to say as a family to your kids, let's do this, let's decide together what we're going to do. So please, would you go to your phones and make the best gift possible? If we all do something, we all have different amounts, and we'll send you this. Yeah. Every year we have the new little Christmas shoes. This year it's like a little, it's like a little Jolly Rancher in red. <laughs> but for, we're going to send that to you, so please, um, go Go to your phone, make the best gift possible, and together we're going to put a lot of smiles on a lot of faces. Poverty is a killer, and because of it, children needlessly suffer, not only from a lack of food and clean water, but also from a lack of things we often take for granted, like a simple pair of shoes. Far too many children living in extreme poverty have never owned a new pair of shoes, and while that may seem minor in the light of all their needs, Walking with bare feet puts them at risk of life-threatening infections and disease that could lead to crippling consequences and even death. By responding today, you can help immediately secure and begin shipping Christmas shoes to 150,000 children around the world, and for many, just in time for the holidays. Your gift of $36 will help provide 10 pairs of shoes, a gift of $72 will help provide 20 pair, and a gift of $180 will help provide 50 pairs of Christmas shoes for children in need. As a thank you for your gift of support, be sure to request this beautifully crafted red crystal shoe ornament, a treasure to display at each Christmas. With your gift of $100 or more, you may request a Light Shines in Darkness frosted glass candle featuring a beautiful golden design with scripture from John 1.5. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,000 or more to help provide 275 pairs of shoes or two children with corrective cleft palate surgeries. And you may request the Bridge of Faith canvas print by Thomas Kincaid. Please call, write, or make your gift online today. There you go, buddy. Look at that, brand new shoes. New shoes on dirty feet. But you know what? Not all of you can come here and have the privilege that I have of actually putting the shoes on the feet of these beautiful children. But you can still be a big part, because really, you know, we can't do it without you. This is not just something fun for them. I mean, they love it. We're also improving their health. This is a significant outreach. These children are all smiling because we've given them new shoes, but there are others that need a little extra support to correct that cleft palate so they can have a smile too. I hope you'll make an additional gift today as we take the shoes and smiles to as many children as we can. Go to the phone, go online, do the best that you can, and you can give shoes and smiles to children all over the world. Thank you so much. If the line's busy, please keep calling, and we're going to love to send you this little shoe for your Christmas tree with any gift at all. We're going to send you Megan's book, Thriving in Your Career While Staying True to Your Beliefs. Thank you so much for being with us and sharing your story. Thank you. It's awesome. Please help me thank Megan Alexander. Thank Amazing. And we thank all of you for watching live today. Please join us again every day on Live Today.
best-selling author and speaker Sheila Walsh spends Wednesdays in the Word exploring the impact you have on others when sharing your story. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.